Welcome to the Road Less Traveled, listeners. I am your host, DB, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about some of the things that I found interesting about prison. Some of those things that you just never think about going in. Um, Well, I never thought I was going in, so I guess I would cover every single topic possible. But these are the things that I haven't seen in a TV show or a movie yet. And uh, like I said, it just, it was something that I found interesting. So let's just dive right in. Let's talk about some of the ways that drugs get into prison. I myself didn't smuggle any in, so this is just coming from hearsay and from some of the things that people have told me. But uh, I was offered drugs immediately the second I got into prison. The shot caller for the first unit that I went into, the first proper unit, uh, cause everyone goes to the, what's known as the fish tank when you're first in there and you're on pretty much 24 hour lockdowns and only let out to get showers. So let's exclude that portion. After 23 days, I went from the fish tank to the first unit, which was level three and you were allowed uh, yard time or free time or whatever you want to call it. Um, like three or four times a day, just depended on the lockdown and that free time generally consisted of your cell doors opening and then you getting to go into the unit itself. Now the unit was a two tiered concrete room that had, um, I guess rec tables that were just, uh, soldered to the ground. So you couldn't move those. You couldn't move the benches or the chairs or anything like that. Cause of course those things would get picked up and used as weapons Now, during your free time, you're allowed to go use the phone if you can get through the line uh, for the three available phones. And the line is specific to the race in which you are a part of, be it white, black, uh, Hispanic or other from there. And you can take a shower, hopefully, maybe. There's only a couple showers. So a lot of people would take what is known as bird baths uh, to shower in their sink. And it's uh, just, you know, not a very good way to get clean. Anyway, so the shod caller, upon me entering this unit, uh, welcomed me to Prisneyland. He said that uh, things aren't as hardcore as they used to be. He checked my, or had someone check my paperwork, uh, noticed that I was only in for a DUI. And so he, you know, just more or less said, hey, if you need drugs, just let me know. I've got you. Don't get into debt. Don't fuck around. Don't make the white race look bad. Uh, You'll also be there for the mandatory workouts. Uh, And if anything, you know, pops off like a riot, you know, just, you know, you get get our backs. Start stabbing people, I guess. So I was just insanely, uh, I don't know, like, wow, okay, this dude's incredibly upfront and very nonchalant about all of these things. And uh, thank you, I guess, for, you know, having me covered as far as meth, heroin, coke, all the good stuff goes. Uh, But no, I'm good. Thank you. But it did get me curious, like, how is this shit getting in there? Um, I'd assumed that, you know, most people are either bringing up their ass or smuggling it in in whatever which way. Because that's, you know, of course, the common way to do it. Everyone knows about that. You put it in a little balloon and just put it right up in there. Uh, But I learned of a couple different ways that those drugs then get filtered throughout prison. So one of the main ways would be to do that is when you get a in-person visit or what's known as a contact visit. So weirdly, in county jail, at least in the state that I'm in, 
you were not allowed to see anybody in person. You only did a video visit. So even if they came down to the jail that you actually were at, you could never see someone in person. Now, prison was different. This, of course, excludes COVID and anything that came after that. I was incarcerated back in 2016. So some things will be different during the 2020 plus kind of area. But when I got to prison prison, because it took me two years to be sentenced between when I was put in jail in 2016 till eventually sentenced in 2018, two whole years went by. I was sentenced with 720 days credit time served. So by the time I got to prison, I'd already had at least two years of my journey done. Now, the way they get those drugs in through a contact visit it's generally from a female. It's usually the girl is visiting the guy, and she, of course, has uh, you know a couple extra hiding spots to put those things in. Uh, of course, the guards are privy to most of these things. Now, for the sake of uh, discretion, you can, of course, go searching up uh, every woman's little hoo-ha there. You can't just start opening up stuff and looking inside with your uh, stethoscope and your flashlight and all that things. So they, you know, they would do thorough searches, but it mostly consisted of pat downs and whatnot. But how do you get the thing out? You know, where, how do you, how do you do that part? Usually uh, they would go to the bathroom where they would have to either, you know, remove it from said location or regurgitate it if they had swallowed it orally. And that is probably where a lot of uh, stuff would happen. But then, okay, I get all that logically. Like, I've thought of that myself. It makes sense. There's only so many ways that you can do these things. But how do you do the handoff? How do you do the transfer? So I was told, because I'd never had a visit while I was in prison, uh, I was told that the way they did this was in the visiting room, there would be... Um, a vending machine where you could get chips or you could get drinks or things like that. And so what the girl would do would be she would more or less go to the bathroom, regurgitate or remove the, you know, whatever they're trying to pass. And they would then have it in their mouth. So when they drank whatever, you know, uh, from a bottle of, say, water or a soda or uh, chocolate milk, strawberry milk, whatever, whatever had like a container where it wasn't perfectly clear, they would spit those things into the container. And then the guy would then take the container and he would act as if he's drinking it and swallow those things. And yay, we now have drugs. Totally disgusting, but it should show you the level of addiction and also creativity that someone with infinite time will go to the lengths of trying to figure something out. Now, uh, there's the obvious, the very obvious way that other people have gotten drugs in, and it's bribing guards, having corrupt guards. I mean, that's oftentimes how people got cell phones in. It's just, I mean, it's not hard. You got a, a correctional officer who makes X amount of dollars a year, uh, or he can take, you know, a bribe that could be upwards of however much money. Because once you're in, you're in. You know, once someone's given you enough money to do some sort of deed, you accomplish that task. Well, now you have an established connection. The guard is either now on the take and he can't refuse the next time, or he just continues down that path. So 
I, and this is like flash forwarding a little bit, uh, at camp, there were numerous stories of corrupt guards. Most of them were cool. Most of them were good. So there was only a few like standout cases and one or two actually ended up getting fired for having, uh, how should we say just, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Got a news alert there. That's always fun. I should silence my phone here. Uh, the news alert is for a barricade situation going on. Wonderful. Uh, good luck officers that are responding to that one. Sorry about that. Uh, so the, uh, there, I mean, there would be. I ran into people that ha actively had cell phones in not just prison, but camp, and also the uh, halfway house that I was at. And it was prison, weirdly, that I thought would have been the hardest to get those phones into, but they weren't because uh, it was funny. Right around when COVID happened, everyone was kind of bored and the whole world was locked down. And so people got fascinated with like Tiger King and they got fascinated with, you know, people making stupid TikTok videos and all those viral trends. But the funny thing that started coming out during that time were also a lot of prison videos. I don't know if you guys remember watching like prison riot videos or living conditions in prisons, but... Uh, they were just popping up all over the place and people were showing them to me on their phone that they had in prison. It was kind of weird, pretty funny, but uh, yeah, it, it's kind of that double-edged sword because of course you want to expose like how horrible things are, the living conditions and all this, but you also can't claim credit for it. And it's hard to affect that kind of change when you have to remain both anonymous and then also like exclude uh, possibly your location, your prison itself, because, you know, you don't want to get shaked down. You don't want to get thrown in the hole, lose good time. Technically, having a cell phone in your possession is considered an escape charge, and they can run it not just uh, concurrent. They can add that on and add it, do it consecutively. So now you just add it on to your stay. So let me finish up this little drug conversation real quick. Okay, we got drugs now. We got them inside the prison. How? may you ask, do we get these filtered throughout the different uh, units here? Because every single unit is segmented. Even if you're in one building, for example, there could be four units in there. And those four units could have upwards of 70 to 100 people in there. So when those units aren't allowed to intermingle, other than maybe the one yard time of day where we all go outside together, how do you say get it from building one to building two to building three onwards and upwards? Well, I didn't know this, but uh, I found out church. The easiest way to get your drugs distributed throughout the prison system was to attend religious services. That's because they would only hold one religious service a day for whatever the denomination would be. So you would have your Catholic services, your Christian services, your Muslim services, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, it was usually during the Catholic and Christian services that all the white gangbangers would meet up and the shot callers would pass drugs back and forth between each other. Yay, good for them. So didn't have a clue. That was the uh, easiest way for them to do that. And honestly, after I'd heard it, it made the most sense. So here's another... Uh, little thing that I found uh, slightly odd. Um, and I briefly mentioned this on an earlier episode. Like we, as like, I, 
I hate to claim a race because I, one, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. And I don't even really like properly know what my background is. I'm, I'm adopted. I haven't done the ancestry thing. Like, I don't know what, you know, I'm made up of. And I don't care. It doesn't matter. Like, whatever. But in prison, everybody seems to care. It's insane. So I had done two years in county. I was insanely pale. Thankfully, that actually worked to my advantage because normally I'm like, kind of bronze slash brown <laughs> like i tan up pretty well uh, i know i'm partly hispanic uh but anyway so like when i showed up i was i was quite pale i was fairly uh white looking and the shot caller you know had walked up to me he asked if i was white which confused me um but he, you know he said you can be white and you can run black like you can be a part of a black gang so they do need to just clarify um and he let me know, like, hey, don't don't send your laundry in when they do uh, they collect laundry services because we don't want our linen mixing with the other races. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure, that's that's a good idea. That all that stuff. Um, but he also had a decent point. Like, you will send your clothes off, and they will just get they'll come back quote unquote brown new. Like, they're just gonna come back dirtier. And so I was like, that actually, to a degree, makes sense. Uh, plus, you're telling me I'm not allowed to. So I'll just follow that because I don't want you to fuck me up. Uh, but we had to do our laundry in the sink. And the sink was a combo toilet slash sink. So you had the toilet portion, everything stainless steel. And then where the, uh, normally where the, um, I guess, where you can lift off the lid and you can see the contents inside where all the plumbing and good stuff is, like the, the toilet tank. Uh, we wouldn't have one of those. There wasn't a toilet tank. It was like built into the unit itself. So where the lid would normally be was actually an active sink. And you had two different buttons. One was hot and one was cold. And if you click the button, it would run for about, I don't know, three seconds. And you would get like a very lazy stream of water, like almost no pressure. It would just kind of dribble out. Uh, but if you held down the hot one long enough, you could get uh, enough hot water to make maybe one or two cups of coffee with. And that was good. That was enough. I mean, the water definitely tasted like rust and fluoride, which I think is uh, healthy for you. I think that's good. Uh, I didn't really have any alternatives. They didn't sell us bottled water. And we didn't have water filters or anything like that. So I'm just going to assume that it was very good for my teeth and my innards. Now, the way you would wash your laundry, you'd basically just get a plastic bag if you could. Uh, you would usually use the saran wrap that was given to you for a, like with your sandwich. Uh, and they didn't really give you like these great sandwiches. Your lunch consisted of uh, four pieces of bread wrapped up in saran wrap and then sometimes you would get like a thing of peanut butter and a thing of jelly or you would get like some really sad soggy bologna with no cheese um and then you get like pretzels that were wrapped up in saran wrap and it just it was like the saddest sack lunch you would ever get they called them sack nasties and they were usually like this just dripping soggy bag <laughs> like the bottom was just bologna sweat and all sorts of disgusting whatever happened to be around type thing but i mean what are you gonna do you're gonna starve to death you're gonna just not eat so i ate the sack nasties 
I did the laundry in the sink. Um, you know, I cleaned the saran wrap as best I could. And then uh, the way we used our did our laundry was they would give us a bar of soap, like one tiny, tiny little insignificant bar of soap. And that was supposed to both be for our bodies for showering. Um, apparently our shampoo also, because they didn't give us anything for our hair. Um, and then that was also supposed to serve as, you know, for our hands to wash our hands. And then apparently also do our laundry. Uh, and what people would do, we would uh, take like a spoon. Well, they give us sporks because, you know, we're stupid. So they give us sporks. And then the spork was enough that you could actually at an angle shave the soap down into little soap shavings. And you put that into a, like a cup or a container and you mix it with hot water. And you mix it up enough, it kind of turns into like a soupy, soapy paste. And from there, you now just have laundry detergent. It wasn't perfect, but it was better than getting back stained, dirty clothes in the laundry. Now, the sink, toilet, coffee pot, slash uh, washer and dryer thing, uh, the all-in-one, weirdly enough, it was a two-tier unit. So we didn't have to do this so much out of the fish tank because afterwards, you know, you were just, you were mixed in with the general population. But in the fish tank, it was boring. There was nothing to do. So people wanted to talk to their homies or just talk to the people around them. And depending on if the person above or below you, because it was two floors, um, they could be affiliated, excuse me, affiliated. So if they were of the same gang or of the same race, generally people wanted to like talk to each other, maybe find out what was going on, what happened on the streets, get some information. So... You could drain all the water out of your toilet, and then you could actually use it as a two-way communication system because the top and bottom were completely connected. And once it was hollowed out, i.e. the water removed, it was actually pretty conductive as far as like voice, like it, it carried pretty well. And I found out later, like if you took a like strips of linen from your bed sheets or even tore up your mattress because that thing was like woven with fiberglass strands or whatever. If you took those strips out, you could actually from the top lower stuff down to where they could get it through the toilet below. It was a trip and overly complicated, but I saw some people do it. It's how they were passing like coffee and notes between each other. Um, the fish tank even got so boring, people would create what are known as a, either Cadillacs or cars, uh, depending on like, you know, who you asked. But what it was, it was more or less a fishing reel. Like they would create a shape similar to a paper football made out of either paper or cardboard or whatever was at hand. And they would use those same strips of either linen, string, fiberglass, uh, mattress, wire, whatever. And they would tie it to this little football shaped thingy. And sometimes they would have like little hooks or indents within it. So it kind of had like a snagging edge to it. And people were so bored that they would throw out commissary or like goods underneath their door. And they would have people use their little cars to try and like lasso these things. And it was like kind of a game, like people are super bored. So they were trying to snag like little bits of coffee, little sacks of coffee, or maybe uh, like pass notes that way. But it was so funny because you'd see like someone, okay, I got another one. And they'd throw like a shot of coffee into the middle of the room. And you can barely see, you got like 
this little rectangle that serves as your window, and then you have the barely one inch gap underneath your door, and that's it. So people are trying to use uh, their cars as like a skipping stone right underneath, just think, and there's you'd see people have like little tug of wars because they get snagged up, and then from there they try to coordinate. It was just boring, and I'm sure the CEOs were mildly entertained by stuff like that, but it went on day in and day out. Same with the yelling and screaming. It was extra fun. Imagine someone is behind a metal door trying to talk to their friend who is also behind a metal door across a massive concrete room where everybody else is also trying to do the same thing. It was mind-numbingly annoying. (sighs) So, uh, this was fun. Like, they weapons weapons people needed to have protection and all these most of these dudes are just you know they got nothing else to do so they're working out all day long they're massive they are masculine they're just filled with toxic masculinity they're ready to fight at the drop of a hat and we don't even have fucking hats they're just ready to fight it's awful there prison is not like my top recommendation although what i do recommend uh, Google search Yelp reviews for your local jail or prison. Totally funny. Now, the area that I was in, it was uh, pretty removed from society. It was pretty far out there. Um, so people were able to have like rocks as weapons or what they called yard biscuits. Uh, most of them had either been removed uh, when the prison was built or when... I don't know, an incident happened. So, but I mean, by the time I'd gotten to this prison, like this was a well-established prison. It had been in existence for a long period of time. So most of the rocks were gone or used, whatever. Um, But during different like bits of construction and little, uh, sorry, I got a helicopter passing by. Um, They would like, people had all sorts of different weapons. Like I saw somebody with a three foot bar of rebar that was shaved down to basically a spear point. Like, I don't know who that dude was ready to fight slash impale, but he was ready to do damage. I saw that. Most people, their shivs, they don't even call them shivs, by the way, because shiv implies that it's like fairly small, like maybe two to three inch blade type thing. Now, these guys are carrying what they call bangers. And it's so they can just, you know, roll up on somebody and hit him hard and fast. Just poke him up. And I had a guy, he was a heroin addict. Uh, his name was Calvin. I, he was so self-aware. It was so weird. He always knew he was going to overdose and die. And it just like, that was his expectation of life. But he told me, he thought it was such a trip. He's like, have you ever heard anyone get stabbed before? And I said, no, Calvin, I I haven't. And he's like, it doesn't make the sound you would ever think because I was just going at it and it goes because you're hollow. There's just cavities of air in you. You're like, you're not full of blood per se. That's, you know, inside your veins and whatever. But like you have a hollow cavity. So if you're poking someone in the chest as you're pulling out, it's going it's making the sound of like a wet balloon. I was like, Calvin, that is that is far too graphic for me to ever want to know. Uh, he was right, though. And that's a story for a much later date. But uh, Calvin was right. So 
All right, you got a weapon now, which I, by the way, I we had metal shelves. There were there was a desk at the top and the bottom. Uh, they were more or less shelves, though, so you could put, you know, whatever little bits of stuff you had at a certain point. That's usually where people put their TVs if they were able to afford one. Um, but these metal shelves are basically built into the concrete walls, and they are um, they're bolted in, and then the bolts have been smoothed off so no one can remove them. I did see that someone had been, and I don't know how long it took them to get it this close, but they'd been carving out their banger in the shelf itself. Like, they were trying to actively carve out, and it was perfectly, like, outlined, and they were fairly close. Like you could see that if, for example, the um, the metal was a quarter inch thick, that they had worn that down at least halfway, all the way around. So they were getting close to being able uh, to make that thing perforated or whatever and rip it up. Never got around to it. Uh, that's what I saw in the fish tank. And then by then, most people, once they got to whatever unit they were going to, their gang members or their homies would give them a weapon upon request. But where are you going to hide that stuff? Every once in a while, you get a shakedown. The guards roll through. They catch you with a weapon. They're going to give you a new charge. They're going to send you to the hole, take all your stuff away. So you got to hide all that shit. Most of the time, people are carrying it on them because you don't want to go to yard and then have the CO walk into your cell and then search the place. A lot of them, and this was the funny part, a lot of them hid them on the door itself. So guard activates the door from control room, control room opens all the doors, the doors are metal and they go inside of the walls. So they're uh, sliding doors. And once they slide there, then inset into the, the wall. Well, if you're hiding your weapon on the door itself, well, guess what? It just whoop slides right into a hiding spot. Fucking perfect. That's where most of the time they just put their things. The COs would have to close the door a second time during their search so they can inspect both the inside and the outside. But they generally didn't do anything like that. So a lot of those people just got away with those. Um, and then you have the, the common weapons, the ones that you can't really prepare for because we were allowed to buy padlocks. We had um, little foot tubs or little whatever. They served as our locker and it would slide under the bottom bunk bed and there were two of them you know one for each person and they were usually plastic and they were usually broken like cracked and all sorts of shit um but they would still sell you padlocks for like eight dollars if you wanted to buy one and keep your shit secure um but most people like didn't really use that they if they bought a lock it was just so they could put in a sock and beat the fuck out of somebody and then <laughs> Like, I know that sounds horrible. Also saw that. That's a story later, too. Um, it was just a trip because people are casually explaining this stuff to me. Just, like, super casual. Like, oh, yeah, you know, if you need to fuck somebody up, that's just, you know, the way you go. You just bash them a few times. You just get a really good swing. Just bam, bam, bam. My first cellmate was jealous of the coffee cup that I had gotten when I first got to this prison. Uh, he said it was the old style, which... Uh, you could beat a man with as much as you wanted, and it would never break. And he tried to trade me for it. He tried to buy it. And I was like, I'm not, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm not giving you that, sir. Um, 
I found it fascinating that the prison that I went to, even though I was a DUI and considered a nonviolent offender because my my case, my crime was an accident for all intents and purposes, but they do send you, at least in my state, to the main prison. Like everyone goes through the main prison. For me, it I considered it like an international airport. You would basically go there and then you would connect your cat you would connect to the next place. You would catch your connecting flight. So you were only there temporarily. Now, the temporary side of that, you are beholden to the system itself, a caseworker, and how slow paperwork processes, and then also if there's availability at the facility that you are hoping to go to. You don't really get a choice in the matter. Um, I always knew that I was probably going to be turned into a wildland firefighter and have to work for the state, and have, like that would be my penance, so to speak. I would have to just pay my debt back to society through that. And I wasn't wrong, thankfully. Like all the um, inmates that I did time with in county jail, they explained to me like this is what you should expect. And I was very fortunate that uh, I did go that direction. But I was tripped out because when I first got to this prison, it was super max. It was max slash super max. And it doesn't matter. Like once you're in a place that's classified as super max, even if you're in, for example, like a unit that is considered only maximum security, the only difference is, is really the amount of free time you get. It doesn't matter. You are all still behind the same three walls, two of which are barbed wire, one of which is electrified. And the correctional officers have live ammo. I'd heard so many horror stories that they only give... Oh, the helicopter's back. I heard so many horror stories that they would shoot one warning shot. And then from there, you got to hope that they're going with rubber bullets next or the pellets. Because after the warning shot, they're allowed to use live ammo. And... The stories I've heard from the uh, rubber bullet portion and the pellets are almost just as worse. Like they tried from what I understood when it was like, say, a cafeteria fight. That's when rubber bullets would come out or like in the units themselves because they weren't trying to like hit everybody. But it was live ammo on the yard. Like they didn't tolerate that shit. And I heard the guns go off one day. Heard the guns go off like it pretty loud pretty obvious and i was inside my cell that day like i had a view of the yard and everyone was on the ground in the dirt and it was like 110 degrees out because it's the middle of summer middle of nowhere and these people are just like writhing on the ground burning but also trying not to move too much because they don't want to get shot either and the horror stories i heard like the rubber bullets apparently those things bounce same thing with the pellets like they just Ding, 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 just all the way pinballing down the hallways and whatnot. I've heard of people losing eyes. I've heard of people like just getting their orbital sockets crushed by these things. Like rubber is still insanely like harmful when it's traveling at a high rate of speed and also doesn't yield. Like it just, the rubber part makes it bounce. It doesn't make it soft. So people got fucked up that way. And that at the back of my mind is something that like, I think I, it's hard to explain because I was never personally worried about being raped or being stabbed or getting fucked up in some sort of way because I would never bring that upon myself. Like they weren't just handing out rapes the second you got to prison. It wasn't like, hi, welcome to prison. We're going to rape you. 
hi, welcome to prison, stab. None of those things were happening. It usually took something to precipitate those things, either disrespect, debt, etc., whatever. I was more worried and more afraid that the state was going to fuck me over or the like just some other incident that I wasn't even involved. I was afraid that's how I was going to get hurt or how I wasn't going to make it out. And it was a hard thing to wrap my mind around because to a degree, I accepted it insofar as I knew that I belonged there. I understood that my actions well, like I, I belong there. There's no other way to explain it. And so it was humbling and horrible at the same time to have to realize like anything that came out of this situation was my fault. And I'm hoping for the best here, but I also have to accept the consequences. And I made it out. I made it out unscathed. I am insanely fortunate about that. I am so thankful that I was able to make it out without any, uh, long-lasting harm we'll put it that way still kind of dealing with the psychological things it's made me a little more sarcastic and possibly uh i don't know a little darker a little more jaded um but again that's a consequence of the situation that i put myself in um let's see is there anything else through here i think i actually hit most of the uh, major things there was only one thing that i thought was uh fun like I didn't want to ever tell the shot caller no. Like, you know, I wanted to to um, get along or go along to get along kind of thing. And so I, you know, I let him know I'm a DUIer. I'm not here to make a name for myself. I'm not running missions for you. I'm not a torpedo, which is what they call uh, the young people in there because they'd send them to go sink themselves, basically. They'd use kids or teenagers or whatever ignorant people who like they knew they could get over on and manipulate and it would allow them to never have it fall back on them uh, i spoke on i think it was like a couple episodes ago but how they used my cellmate to hold prune or batch pruno they had him hold the alcohol that was being made and he got caught so don't know what happened to that guy uh but there was one time the shot caller came up to me during yard we're outside and he says, hey, man, can you hold this for me? And he's, he's holding a folded sheet of paper. It's been folded so many times. And it is a very, very tiny square, like m less than an inch all the way around. And I was like, I don't want to say no. I was like, how long you need me to hold it for? He's like, oh, just till we get inside, I'll stop by your, you know, your cell and you can just slide it under the door. I was like, okay. I can do that. Sure, I got you. I never opened it. I didn't want to know what the fuck it was. I never asked him what it was. I'm not even going to assume what it was. It could have been anything. It could have had, say, meth inside. Maybe it was nothing written on it. Maybe it was just like bundled up and there was drugs inside. Who knows? Maybe there was a hit. Maybe someone's name was on there that... I don't know. Doesn't matter. Never opened it up. Because why? If I had gotten caught with it, I wasn't going to snitch. I knew that much. I'm definitely not telling who gave it to me or what it contains. I was literally going to just say, I have no idea this was handed to me. I didn't want to open it. I am just a DUIer. I will accept going to the hole or whatever I have to do. But look, this is the situation. 
Because you don't want to get that name. You don't want to get labeled as a snitch. That shit will follow you all the way to your grave if it will, if it can. So, I was able to give him back his little paper. That was the one and only time I got involved with whatever the shit they had going on. And I'm glad that, again, like I said, nothing came of it. Everything was okay. Everything was copacetic. Uh, but it was eye-opening because it did feel like there were certain times where everything like was just a very delicate balancing act. Like things could tip so fast. And they thankfully didn't for me. But I missed the riots. I happened to go to prison um, just after one and then left just before one. So I uh, heard those were pretty brutal. Never experienced anything like that. Um, but on the next episode, I'll probably start going over uh, the transition from prison to camp, to uh, the minimum security facility. That's where I spent an additional two years of time. And uh, that's where a lot of opportunities opened up for me. I mean, I did, I saw worse things, surprisingly, but I the quality of living also improved. So thank you for joining me once again, guys. Sorry I covered so much ground on this episode. Uh, hopefully you were able to follow most of the through line there. I, uh, you know, I've been enjoying these and I hope you guys have too. So please like, share, subscribe, do the thing, do the stuff. Uh, keep putting it out there. The response, excuse me, the response has been great, and I know it's uh, low quality, there's not much editing, actually there's like zero, uh, so the production value is low, but I think that's also, in a sense, pure, like, I am trying to do a good job at these, but at the end of the day, this is just to serve as a digital diary, and so thank you guys for joining me on my journey. You've been listening to The Road Less Traveled. I am your host, DB, and I hope to see you next time. Tune in Wednesdays for new episodes. Thank you.